Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'ana bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'a. Allahumma arinal hakka hakkan varzukna ittiba'a. وَأَرِنَا الْبَاطِلَ بَاطِلًا وَارْزُقْنَا اِجْتِنَابًا رَبِّ اشْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَحْلُ الْعُقْدَةً مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bedi-Uzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. As a reminder, the text we will be studying today, a translation of the text that we will be studying today, is posted at this website. You can go to podcast, then flashes, then the 25th flash, and you can scroll down to the 13th remedy. That is where we will be starting, inshallah. We will continue reading the treatise for the sick or the 25th flash in which Ustad Nursi provides us insights about how to make the best out of tribulations and sickness. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. On üçüncü deva, the 13th remedy. Ey hastalıktan şekva eden biçari adam. O oh, the helpless person who complains about sickness. Now earlier we said that we can complain about sickness to God. We cannot complain about God. And here Ustad Nursi is changing the paradigm a bit further and saying, Oh, the helpless person who complains about sickness. He is going to tell us something that's really nice about sickness. And after that, we will even perhaps not be able to complain about sickness. Let's see. Hastalık bazıları ehemmiyetli bir definedir. Gayet kıymetdar bir hediye-i ilahiyedir. Her hasta kendi hastalığını o neviden tasavvur edebilir. Sickness is a treasure of critical importance for some. It is an utmostly precious divine gift. Sickness is a treasure of critical importance for some, not everybody. For some, those who do not know how to make the best out of it. It, it, it is not a treasure for them. But for those who know, it is an utmostly precious divine gift. Each sick person can think of his sickness as being of that kind. Sometimes sickness can be uh, in retribution for something. A believer may have done something wrong and God, because he loves him out of, out of his mercy, does not want to punish him in hell and gives the punishment in this world. That is possible. Even then, it is a divine gift because it is alleviating the punishment. Punishment in this world is much less than punishment in the hereafter. Sickness may be punishment, but we have good opinion of our Lord. We put our hope in our Lord and therefore whenever we are sick, for ourselves or for other people too, each sick person can think of his sickness as being of that kind. And even if it is not of that kind, even if it is really a punishment. Well, 
when you have good opinion of your Lord, your Lord treats you in accordance with your opinion and therefore he may turn your sickness that is perhaps a punishment for you into an opportunity. So it is important to position ourselves well before our Lord. Each sick person can think of his or her sickness as being of that kind. What kind? A treasure of critical importance and an utmostly precious divine gift. Madem ecel vakti muayyen değil, Cenab-ı Hak insanı yesi mutlak ve gafleti mutlaktan kurtarmak için haf ve reca ortasında ve hem dünya ve hem ahireti muhafaza etmek noktasında tutmak için hikmetiyle eceli gizlemiş. Madem her vakit ecel gelebilir, eğer insanı gaflet içinde yakalasa ebedi hayatına çok zarar verebilir. Hastalık gafleti dağıtır, ahireti düşündürür, ölümü tahattür ettirir, öylece hazırlanır. Bazı öyle bir kazancı olur ki 20 senede kazanamadığı bir mertebeyi 20 günde kazanıyor. Since the appointed time of death is not known. Since the appointed time of death is not known. The sublime real has hidden the appointed time with his wisdom to save men from absolute despair and absolute heedlessness. To keep him between fear and hope and on the task of preserving both the world and the hereafter. Since the appointed time can arrive at any moment and if it seizes man in a state of heedlessness that can harm his eternal life. These are the realities of human existence. We will all die. That is certain. Nobody knows when he or she will die. That is also certain. And that has a wisdom. That has a purpose. God has hidden the appointed time with his wisdom. What might be the wisdom? One wisdom might be or is to save man from absolute despair and absolute heedlessness. If we knew that we were going to die tomorrow, we could fall into despair. If we knew, knew that we were going to die in, let's say, 60 years, our nafs, our lower soul may conceptualize that time, imagine that time to be long and not see the end after 60 years and think that, well, 60 years is a long time. I'll do whatever I want to do now. And perhaps at the end, I, like one year before my death, I'm going to repent. And that will lead us to absolute heedlessness. So that we do not know the appointed time is good for us. It puts us in the proper position that we should be before our Lord to keep him between fear and hope and on the task of preserving both the world and the hereafter. We preserve the world, we preserve the hereafter. But the secret here is that we do not preserve the world for the world. The value of the world is to the extent that it is a sign of our creator and also it is the preparation ground, cultivating field for the hereafter. We preserve the world because without it, we don't have a field to cultivate. We preserve the world because without it, we have difficulty knowing our Lord. The world, the cosmos, the visible realm around us is the great book of the universe. We read it to learn about our Lord. And what is the purpose of our existence in this, in this world? To know our Lord. If this is the instrument to know our Lord, of course we are going to preserve it. 
it is like a student who has a textbook and we put the textbook on in the backpack and tell the student don't lose this preserve it well keep it well protect it well we to, we preserve the world and the hereafter and importantly we take our position between fear and hope we fear our lord because he is tremendous he is majestic he is the owner of hell he is the punisher he is the overpowerer we hope we put our hope in our lord because he is merciful he is gentle he is generous and his mercy has encompassed everything has surpassed his wrath he has wrath but his mercy has surpassed his wrath and we fear his wrath and take refuge in his mercy but we never forget that both of these are part of reality both of these are what our lord described himself to us in his eternal word the quran and our task is to know him as he taught us about himself and act accordingly take a position of worshipful slavehood accordingly of course we can never know him as he is because his lord his person his entity is beyond our comprehension but we get closer to it and the closest that we can get to that knowledge is through the quran and the quran taught us that he is to be feared and to be loved he is to be feared and to be put our hope hope in so that that is the proper place to be we don't want to fall in despair we don't want to fall in heedlessness and the secret of being in between fear and hope is this if you were to fall in despair we would lose it we would completely lose it and our lord told us that he is merciful we would forget about his mercifulness we would forget about his compassion we would forget about his generosity and that would be casting us versions on his generosity mercifulness kindness gentleness our task here is to know him and to act accordingly if we forget those beautiful and beautiful aspects of our lord we would not be fulfilling our task but at the same time we cannot fall into heedlessness because if you fall into heedlessness we completely forget about him and we go beyond what he ob obligated us to do and to not to do we would be unrestrained and we don't want that either because that would be the opposite of worshipful slavehood we want to be a good worshipful slave and to be a good worshipful slave we need to stay between fear and hope and that we do not know the appointed time helps us do that since the appointed time can arrive at any moment and if it seizes man in a state of heedlessness that can harm his eternal life that is the point and problem when we talk about the hereafter when we talk about this world being the cultivating field for the hereafter we are talking about eternal life that is what matters the real life is the life of the hereafter and sickness as we will see in the rest of the sentence dispels heedlessness brings the hereafter to mind reminds of death and so man prepares 
accordingly. This is really important. Some cultures, most English-speaking cultures, and since this podcast is in the English language, I am assuming that most of the listeners are living in English-speaking cultures, shun talking about death. It is considered almost a taboo. If you are in a social gathering and you know people are enjoying themselves and talking about, I don't know, politics or art or whatever, and you open up the subject of death, a cold <laughs> mass of air will descend into the room, the faces will turn grim, and people will just stop talking. And you will even offend people. People will take offense if you talk about death. But that is, that is completely false. Death is real. And everybody, sooner or later, will have to face death. This taboo about death is only a sign of heedlessness. We need to remember that. The Prophet ﷺ told us to remember death that embitters the blessings of life. Why? Because in that bitterness, in that bitterness is the taste of the hereafter. Everything in this world that we enjoy has the defect of not being eternal, has the defect of eventual annihilation, eventual disappearance, and that is painful. The separation from blessings or the thought of separation from blessings is the big defect that everything in this world has. And that embitters the blessings of this world. However, however, in that bitterness, we taste the eternal blessings of paradise because we understand that this is not the real thing and the real thing is supposed to not have this defect and then our hearts, eyes, even lower souls turn to that eternal and defectless blessing that is to come in the hereafter. And that is what we want because that is the ultimate purpose of the existence that we are having in this life. Sickness dispels heedlessness, brings the hereafter to mind, reminds of death, and so man prepares accordingly. The big problem about not thinking of death, considering it a taboo, taboo is that we do not prepare accordingly. We have a big journey that is to come. And it may be 60 years from now, it may be tomorrow, it may be two hours from now. What is certain is that it is going to come. And if we don't have the necessary preparation, we will have a miserable experience. We will have a wretched experience of that journey. And we don't want that. We have the opportunity to prepare, then why not? Why, why falsely imagine ourselves not to have that journey and not prepare? That does not make sense. That is not smart. This is supposed to be the age of reason. Reason entails that we prepare for that certain journey. Sometimes this begets, what is this? That 
Sickness dispels heedlessness, brings the hereafter to mind, reminds of death, and so man prepares accordingly. Sometimes this begets such gain that in 20 days one earns the station that he cannot earn in 20 years. In 20 days one earns the station that one cannot earn in 20 years. What does that mean? Well, the more we worship our Lord, the closer we come to Him. And the closer we come to Him, the more He elevates our station. So, worshiping Him with sincerity, with loyalty, faithfully for 20 years, of course has a return. Of course, elevates the person's station before his Lord. But, actions are according to intentions and the intentions are the coefficients of the the reward that we get from our actions 20 years of worshiping our lord has a return but when the person is sick he understands his neediness he understands reality as reality is and as a result of that the intention coefficient of the action increases so much so that he earns in 20 days what he may otherwise be earning in 20 years what a blessing what a blessing is that. Ez cümle arkadaşlarımızdan Allah rahmet etsin. İki genç vardı. Biri İlamalı Sabri, diğeri İslam köylü Vezirzade Mustafa. Bu iki zat talebelerim içinde kalemsiz oldukları halde samimiyette ve iman hizmetinde en ileri safta olduklarını hayretle görüyordum. Hikmetini bilmedim. Vefatlarından sonra anladım ki her ikisinde de ehemmiyetli bir hastalık vardı. O hastalık irşadıyla sair gaf, gafil ve feraizi terk eden gençlere beder en mühim bir takva ve en kıymetdar bir hizmette ve ahirete nafi bir vaziyette bulundular. İnşallah iki senelik hastalık zahmeti milyonlar sene hayat ebediyenin saadetine medar oldu. For example, so Üstad Nursi explained us a reality about sickness and that the appointed time of death is hidden. And he is now going to give us an example. He is going to make it more concrete in our eyes. For example, there were two young men among our friends. May God have mercy on them. One Sabri from Ilama and the other Vezirzade Mustafa from Islamköy. I used to see in a state of wonder that although these two persons could not write, they stood in the furthest line ahead of others from the point of view of sincerity and in the service of faith. So to, to understand what Ustad Nursi is referring to here, we need to have a little knowledge of the situation in which uh, this treatise was written. Ustad Nursi was a great scholar of Islam. Uh, for those who do not know, too much detail about this perhaps it might be a good idea to go and listen to the introductory podcasts of this series or you know, read in general about his life he was a great scholar he was one of the most knowledgeable if not if not the most knowledgeable scholar of his uh, his time among his peers in the ottoman empire but when the republic was founded in 1923 he saw that the founding elite of the country had secularist ideas in mind were not fond of religion 
They wanted to create an irreligious society. They were not going to be successful in this, but they wanted to do that. So Ustad Nursi parted with them and went to his native lands in the in the uh, in eastern Anatolia and started to live an ascetic life. But there was a rebellion in the region. Although he did not participate in in that, he was. Uh, exiled to Western Anatolia because the government feared his charisma in the region. So he was exiled to Western Anatolia to a distant village called Barla. And much of his uh, Risale-i Nur, uh, the collection of Risale-i Nur, Epistles of Light, were written in that, in that village. Now the problem is he was an exile. He was not allowed to write, teach, publish, so everything that he was producing at the time had to be written secretly by hand and distributed among aspirant believers who wanted to benefit from his knowledge and wisdom and light. Therefore, the service at the time was to, to hand copy, to hand copy these books, these treatises. And at some point, it is said that in some villages, upwards of a thousand people would just drop everything else and day and night, copy, hand copy, secretly hand copy, start these treatises. That is how that light spread all around the country. And then it was eventually translated to dozens of languages. And Alhamdulillah, we are able to benefit from it in English today. So those who hand copied those treatises at that time, each have a benefit, a share of the reward that we are, inshallah, now acquiring by reading these wonderful treatises and actualizing the meaning that is contained in them. So, Sabri from Ilama and Vezirzade Mustafa could not write. Therefore, they were deprived of this aspect of the service, but they were willing and they were interested in serving, so they were doing other things. They, they might have been talking to people about this, they might have been distributing the copies, they might have been encouraging other people to prepare the copies, whatever. They were serving. I used to see in a state of wonder, Stadnursi says, that although these two persons could not write, they stood in the furthest line ahead of others from the point of view of sincerity and in the service of faith. Ustad Nursi referred to this as service of faith. So their sincerity, of course, was the coefficient. I did not know the wisdom in this. How come, Ustad Nursi is thinking, they, he, in, in a metaphysical realm, I suppose, he looks and he sees that these are the furthest ahead. I did not know the wisdom in this. How are they so far ahead of others? I understood after they passed away that they both had a serious sickness. Thanks to the teaching guidance of that sickness, as different from the other heedless youth who leave the obligatory acts of worship, they obtained a most important level of God consciousness, rendered a most precious service, and assumed a state that would benefit the hereafter. Now, this is one of the problems that people have, uh, even believers have. They may believe everything that needs to be believed completely. They believe in the hereafter, resurrection, uh, reward and punishment, the necessity to act in accordance with uh, what God has told us to do and not to do in this world and so on and so forth. But when they are young, they say, well, I'm still young. Let me enjoy my life a little bit and then I'm going to prepare for the hereafter. This, of course, is Satan deceiving the person. Satan, Satan you know, is smart.
is not very powerful perhaps not smart you know if it were smart it would not have ended up where it is it would not have disobeyed god but it has tricks satan is tricky right so it tells young people now you are young wait a little bit enjoy yourself and when the time comes you know, when you are older maybe when your hair starts to become white or maybe when you don't have the energy to do all these things that you are doing now then you can start worshiping and then you will you know get the best of both worlds of course this is the this is of course not the best of, of both worlds if one knew what one was losing by not worshiping god the way god deserves to be worshiped at young age then they would they would think that they had lost their minds by not doing so but again satan is tricky the lower soul is gullible they work together and and they uh, move people out of that safe sphere of worshipful slavehood in their youth however these two young men were sick and their sickness was a reminder for them as a result of that unlike other youth who left obligatory acts of worship prayer fasting etc they obtained a most important level of god consciousness taqwa fearing god out of awareness of his majesty and therefore being keen in worshiping him the way he deserves to be worshipped they obtained a most important level of god consciousness taqwa piety rendered a most precious service and assumed a state that would benefit the hereafter inshallah the distress of two years of sickness became the cause of happiness in millions of years of eternal life for them and Ustad Nursi then adds to this ben onların sıhhati için bazı ettiğim duayı şimdi anlıyorum dünya itibariyle beddua olmuş inşallah o duam sıhhati uhreviye için kabul olunmuştur i now understand that the supplications i made for their health from time to time were in fact becoming maledictions in terms of the world inshallah may that supplication of mine have been accepted for the health of the hereafter and of course that is the wisdom of god he responds to our prayers but that does not mean that he always accepts our prayers as we ask if he loves us if he has not forsaken us he will take our supplication and judge it in accordance with his wisdom and he will either give us something better or he is going to ward off some tribulation from us some problem trouble from us or under all circumstances he is going to give us a reward for turning to him and supplicating him right so Ustad Nursi was making dua supplicating that these two young men would heal their sickness would go, go away but now after they passed away he is seeing that from the point of view of this world those supplications have become maledictions and he is now supplicating making dua that that they would be accepted as supplication for the hereafter they would be accepted in a better way in accordance with God's wisdom for the health of the hereafter. İşte bu iki zat benim itikadımca 10 senelik bir takva ile elde edilecek bir kazanç kadar bir kar buldular. So according to my conviction these two persons found a profit that amounts to a gain that can be acquired with 10 years of God consciousness. 
if you lived a life of God consciousness for 10 years and earn whatever you could earn from that, those two persons within the short period of time that they lived in this world with sickness, Ustad Nursi says, I'm convinced that they had that much gain. Her ikisi bir kısım gençler gibi sıhhat ve gençliğine güvenip gaflet ve sefahete atılsaydılar, ölümde onları tarassut edip tam günahlarının pislikleri içinde yakalasaydı, onurlar definesi yerine kabirlerini akrepler ve yılanlar yuvası yapacaklardı. Had they trusted their health and youth and thrown themselves into heedlessness and debauchery like some young people, like some other young people, and had death followed and caught them right in the filth of their sins, they were going to make their graves a nest of scorpions and snakes instead of that treasury of lights. The grave, when the, the believer is destined for paradise, is like a treasury of light. It's like a room filled with lights. But if the person were to die in a state of sinning, the, the metaphysical reality of those sins would turn into scorpions and snakes like instruments of torment and torture and fear and terror in the grave. So what is better? They were sick for a little bit. Their sickness reminded them of their appointed time of death in the end. Their sickness reminded them of the hereafter. They prepared accordingly, took a position accordingly. They were protected from heedlessness and sins. And as a result of that, now that they passed away, their graves are filled with light instead of scorpions and snakes. Isn't that good? Madem hastalıkların böyle menfaati var, ondan şekva değil, tevekkül, sabır ile belki şükredip rahmeti ilahiyeye itimat etmektir. Since sickness or sicknesses have such benefit, it is due not to complain about them, but in fact to be grateful and have trust in the divine mercy in a state of reliance on God and patience. Now, sickness has the potential for that benefit. It is up to us whether to take the benefit or not. The food is on the table. It is up to us whether to eat it or not. If you don't eat the food that's on the table and go hungry, well, who, who is to blame? Sickness, when it comes, has this benefit and it is up to us to see that benefit and take advantage of it. How do we take advantage of it? Well, we do not complain, but in fact, we show gratitude. We see the benefit in them, be grateful for it and, and we trust divine mercy and put ourselves in a state of reliance on God and be patient. This is easy to do when we see the benefit in sickness. 14. Deva, 14th Remedy Ey gözüne perde gelen hasta! Eğer ehli imanın gözüne gelen perdenin altında nasıl bir nur ve manevi bir göz olduğunu bilsen, yüz bin şükür Rabbi Rahim'ime dersin. In this remedy, Üstad Nursi is going to talk about a particular type of sickness but the wisdom that he is revealing by talking about that particular sickness is valid for all kinds of sicknesses. Oh, the sick person whose eyesight is veiled. If you knew what kind of a light and what a metaphysical eye are to be found beneath the veil that blinds the eyesight of the people of faith, you would say a hundred thousand gratitudes be to my merciful Lord. 
Bu merhemi izah için bir hadise söyleyeceğim. Şöyle ki, to explain this self. Now, self is an ointment is something that you put on the wound. And perhaps if somebody has a problem in his or her eye, you have this self, you put it on the eye and the eye opens. The wound goes away. It has a healing property, a healing quality. So this knowledge, right, the knowledge that there is a light and a metaphysical eye to be found beneath the veil that blinds the eyesight of the people of faith. This knowledge is a self and Ustadnur says, I will narrate an incident in order to explain it. It is as follows. Bana sekiz sene kemali sadakatle hiç gücendirmeden hizmet eden Barlalı Süleyman'ın halasının bir vakit gözü kapandı. Once cataract blinded the eyesight of the aunt of Süleyman from Barla, who served me for eight years with perfect loyalty without ever disobliging me. So Süleyman from Barla, Barlalı Süleyman is uh, also known as Sıddık. Uh, Suleyman, the faithful uh, Suleyman, when Ustad Nusi was exiled to the village of Barla, a relatively old man and alone, he has nobody there. Uh, Suleyman, Sıddık Suleyman was one of the individuals in the village who at first had pity on this old man and wanted to help him and then noticed the light that was emanating from this old man and wanted to uh, benefit as much as possible from his light and served him. For eight years, he, he came to be known as Faithful uh, Suleyman. Once cataract blinded the eyesight of the aunt of Suleyman from Barla, who served me for eight years with perfect loyalty without ever disobliging me. O saliha kadın, bana karşı haddimden yüz derece fazla hüsnü zan ederek, gözümün açılması için dua et diyerek cami kapısında beni yakaladı. That righteous woman, whose good opinion of me was a hundred times more than what I deserve, caught me at the gate of the mosque asking, pray for the restoration of my eyesight. So the woman thought that Ustad Nursi is close to God if he, if he uh, makes dua, if he supplicates to God, his supplication is going to be accepted. And this is what Ustad Nursi is referring to when he says her good opinion of me was a hundred times more than what I deserve. And that is how those who are close to God are because they understand the station of their Lord no matter what their station is, they do not have a high opinion of themselves. That righteous woman, whose good opinion of me was a hundred times more than what I deserve, caught me at the gate of the mosque, asking, pray for the restoration of my eyesight. Ben de o mübarek ve meczube kadının salahatini duama şefaatçi yapıp, Ya Rabbi, onun salahati hürmetine, onun gözünü aç diye yalvardım. İkinci gün burdurlu bir göz hekimi geldi, gözünü açtı. 40 gün sonra yine gözü kapandı. And I made the righteousness of that blessed and divinely captivated woman an intercessor for my supplication and besieged, O oh my Lord, open her eye for the sake of the sanctity of her righteousness. Now the word uh, divinely captivated uh, in Turkish is meczub or in Arabic meczub. Oftentimes this word is translated as God's fool or some other weird thing like that. It is not God's fool. We are not talking about a fool. We are talking about a person who has realized reality as reality is, who has acquired gnosis of his Lord, who is captivated by the beauty of his 
lord and therefore this world has to some extent become meaningless for this person the tabi'in the followers or the companions of the prophet uh, sometimes would say that if you had you seen the companions you would think they were they were majdub they were mad they had lost their minds but that's not because they had lost their minds they had not lost their minds they had developed gnosis they had realized the beauty of their lord and they were captivated by that beauty so Ustad Nursi says here that yes he made supplication yes he turned his lord and prayed for that woman said oh my lord open her eye for the sake of the sanctity of her righteousness but he did not do that because he was thinking that you know he is deserving of God's uh, response in return to his supplication he did not have a high opinion of himself he had a high opinion of this woman whom he considered to be a blessed and divinely captivated woman so he made a supplication and two days later an eye doctor from Burdur came and restored her eyesight then she was blinded again after 40 days then Sadhguru she says ben çok müteessir oldum çok dua ettim İnşallah o dua ahireti için kabul olmuştur. Yoksa benim o duam onun hakkında gayet yanlış bir beddua olurdu. Çünkü eceli 40 gün kalmıştı. 40 gün sonra Allah rahmet etsin vefat etti. So he made a supplication, the woman's eye opened, everything is going well. But 40 days later she is blinded again. And Ustad Nursi says, I was extremely distressed and supplicated a lot. And this is the key part. Inshallah, may the supplication have been accepted for her hereafter. Otherwise, that supplication of mine would have been an utterly false malediction for her because she had 40 days to her appointed time of death. She had 40 more days of life after she was blinded again. She passed away. May God have mercy on her after 40 days. So she was blind for 40 days before she died and she died blind. İşte o merhume 40 gün barlanın hazinane bağlarına rekkatli ihtiyarlık gözüyle bakmasına bedel kabrinde cennet bağlarını 40 bin günlerde seyredeceğini kazandı. Çünkü imanı kuvvetli, salahati şiddetliydi. Thus, instead of looking at the sorrowful orchards of Barla for 40 days with the tender eyes of old age, that deceased woman attained in her grave 40,000 days that she will be gazing at the orchards of paradise cause her faith was strong and righteousness was her righteousness was intense of course when Stadnuti says 40,000 days that is you know an indication of the the uh, long time that she is inshallah going to have in a state of blessings in graves otherwise you know, it's not a certain number and also Stadnuti refers to the orchards of barley as sorrowful why sorrowful because this is an old woman who knows that her appointed time is close and who has many afflictions uh, sicknesses weaknesses in her body the the defect of the reality of this world is more visible to her and therefore it is sorrowful he she is about to depart them she is not going to see them any longer. Perhaps that is her native town. She loves it and she has this attachment to it. But at the same time, she knows that she is not going to see them after she dies. So that appointed time of separation is coming close. Therefore, the orchards were sorrowful. And instead of 
looking at them with the tender eyes of her old age in that sorrowful state now now she has attained in her grave forty thousand days that she will be gazing at the orchards of paradise because her faith was strong and righteousness was intense and of course we know that for those who are destined for paradise for those who pass that initial stage of questioning in the in the grave the grave turns into a place from where they watch their station and and and place uh, in paradise evet bir mümin gözüne perde çekilse ve gözü kapalı kabre girse derecesine göre ehli kuburdan çok ziyade o alemi nuru temaşa edebilir. Bu dünyada nasıl çok şeyleri biz görüyoruz, kör olan müminler görmüyorlar. Kabirde o körler imanla gitmişse o derece ehli kuburdan ziyade görür. En uzak gösteren dürbünlerle bakar nevinde, kabrinde derecesine göre cennet bağlarını sinema gibi görüp temaşa ederler. Yes, if a believer's eyesight is veiled and he enters the grave blinded, in accordance with his degree, he may watch that realm of light much more than the people of the grave. As we see many things in this world, yet the blind believers do not see them, to that extent, i.e. likewise, those blind ones, those blind ones see in the grave, if they go there with faith, more than the people of the grave, more than the other people of the grave. As though looking through the most powerful binoculars, they see the orchards of paradise and watch them in their graves in accordance with their degrees. İşte böyle gayet nurlu ve toprak altında iken göklerin üstündeki cenneti görecek ve seyredecek bir gözü. Bu gözündeki perde altında şükürle, sabırla bulabilirsin. Thus, with patience and gratitude. Again, these are the key things. With patience and gratitude. You can find beneath the veil on your eye. So if somebody is blinded, it might be cataract, it might be something else. This poor woman uh, or blessed woman had cataract. Uh, but it can be something else. And it can also be some other problem with our bodily functions. You know, somebody may lose hearing, somebody may lose I know, taste, somebody may lose a hand something that is not complete any longer in the body. Thus, with patience and gratitude, you can find beneath the veil on your eye, you can find beneath the veil on your eye, such an utmost luminous eye that will see paradise above the heavens, skies, and watch it from under the earth. Now, physically, the body is buried under the ground. It is under earth, under dirt. But there is such an eye that is given to this person that it can see paradise above the heavens, beyond the heavens. İşte o perdeyi senin gözünden kaldıracak, o gözle seni baktıracak göz hekimi Kur'an-ı Hakim'dir. And the eye doctor that will lift that veil from your eye and have you look with that eye is the wisdomful Quran. And here the veil that is mentioned is the veil of earth and dirt, the veil that would prevent a deceased person from being able to see paradise from their graves. The veil of heedlessness, the veil of heedlessness in this world turning into an actual veil on the eye that prevents the eye from being able to see paradise from the grave. And of course, that is a horrible thing because that means that this person is not destined for paradise. The eye doctor 
that will lift that veil from your eye and have you look with that eye is the wisdomful Quran. And why is it the wisdomful Quran? Because the Quran is where we learn the wisdom of everything in the creation precisely. Precisely. Yes, there's veil in the eye. Well, there's a wisdom to it. How do we know about it? Well, to know about it, we need to understand reality as reality is. Where do we learn reality as reality is? From the Quran. There are people who see in this world, but their inner sight is blinded. And there are people who do not see in this world, but their inner sight is sharp. We want that the sharpness of that inner sight. And with the sharpness of that inner sight, when we look, we see the wisdom behind this veil on the eye. 15th remedy. Ahu eninadan hasta. Oh, the moaning sick person. Hastalığın suretine bakıp ah eyleme, manasına bak oh de. Do not look at the outward appearance of sickness and moan, saying ah. Look at its meaning and say oh. And of course, as we mentioned before, ah is an interjection of pain and regret and lamenting, and oh is an interjection of happiness and enjoyment and joy. And of course, if a person says, ah, not uh, consciously, not intentionally, but it's just this natural thing that is coming out, uh, ah is also one of the names of God. So this is not what Ustad Nursi is referring to. Do not look at the outward appearance of sickness and say, ah, in a, in a form of complaint, but look at its meaning and say, oh. Eğer hastalığın manası güzel bir şey olmasaydı, Khaliqur Rahim en sevdiği ibadına hastalıkları vermezdi. If the meaning of sickness was not a beautiful thing, if sickness did not have a beautiful meaning, beautiful metaphysical aspect to it, the merciful creator would not give sicknesses to his most beloved slaves. Is that so? Does God, the merciful creator, give sicknesses to his most beloved slaves? Of course it is. How do we know? For first we know from uh, observation. We see many really good, righteous people around us who are afflicted with tribulations, afflicted with sicknesses. And also we know from prophetic tradition. Halbuki hadisse sahihte vardır ki eşeddü nasi belaen el enbiya'u summel evliya'u summel emselu felemselu. Uh, this is a, a prophetic tradition. The translation of the version that I just read here in Ustad Nursi's uh, treatise, uh, maybe those who are most severely afflicted with troubles among people are the prophets, then saints of God, then their likes and then their likes, or as he sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Ustad Nursi adds this Ev Kemaqal, or as he, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, uh, this uh, tradition is mentioned in several hadith books in different uh, versions. Uh, therefore, Statnusi is saying, or as he has said it, but the meaning is that the meaning is the same in all those uh, various uh, iterations of the prophetic tradition, various narrations of the prophetic tradition. Yani, en ziyade musibet ve meşakkate giriftar olanlar, insanların en iyisi, en kamilleridir. And this is Ustad Nursi's interpretation of the Hadith, prophetic tradition. That is, those who are afflicted with tribulations and difficulties most are the best 
and most perfect ones among humans. Başta Hazreti Eyyub aleyhisselam, enbiyalar, sonra evliyalar ve sonra ehli salahat, çektikleri hastalıklara birer ibadeti halisa, birer hediye-i rahmaniye nazarıyla bakmışlar, sabır içinde şükretmişler, Halık-ı Rahim'in rahmetinden gelen bir ameliyat-ı cerrahiye nevinden görmüşler. First, Ayyub aleyhisselam, greetings of peace be upon him. All prophets, then saints of God, then the righteous have considered sicknesses they suffered as a pure form of worship, as a gift from the merciful one, and they have shown gratitude in a state of patience. They have seen it as a surgical operation originating from the mercy of the merciful creator. Why do we have surgical operations? Because we have a problem and that problem needs to be solved. Perhaps there is a cyst and the cyst needs to be taken out. In order to take the cyst out, the cyst is the problem. In order to take it out, doctor operates on the, on the patient and, and that's a surgical operation. The end of it is the consequence. The result of it is beautiful. The result of it is mercy. The result of it is a blessing. All prophets with Ayyub coming first, greetings of peace be upon him. Then saints of God, then the righteous have considered. This is why all of them have considered the sicknesses that they suffered. A pure form of worship, a gift from the merciful one. And this is, again, the secret of turning it into a gift from the merciful one. Gratitude is worship. Patience is worship. Being grateful in a state that others might be complaining, being grateful in a state in which others might be complaining, of course, of course, is such a worship that it elevates the station of the person unimaginably. Therefore, they take it as an opportunity as a surgical operation that is saving them from some problem in their reality as an operation that's improving their reality now a surgical operation especially in the old times before the anesthesia was developed to the extent that it is developed today right a surgical operation was a painful thing an extremely painful thing and therefore one who is having that kind of an operation would go through pain and say ah and moan right oh you the sick person who is mo who who is moaning pitifully oh you the sick person who is moaning pitifully bu nurani kafiliye iltihak etmek istersen sabır içinde şükret so Ustad Nursi is imagining a person who is in extreme excruciating pain and is moaning and, and addressing that person. If you want to join this luminous convoy, what convoy? The convoy of prophets, saints, the righteous. If you want to join this luminous convoy, and this is this is an imagery that he used elsewhere too. He thinks of this convoy that is moving constantly toward paradise, toward the countenance of our Lord in the hereafter and the convoy is in is in motion we need to catch up and join that convoy we want to join that convoy if you want to join this luminous convoy show gratitude in a state of patience
And this is interesting. He's not saying show patience in a state of gratitude. He's saying show gratitude in a state of patience because showing gratitude in that state by seeing the benefit that is to be accrued from going through that operation, that is pure. There, there can be no ostentation involved. There can be no vainglory or pride involved in that kind of worship that's pure. And that is the, the very high coefficient if you, if you uh, were to go to uh, that metaphor that we have been using. Yoksa şekva etsen onlar seni kafirlerini almayacaklar. Now they all joined that convoy by not complaining and being grateful and patient. Otherwise, so if you don't show gratitude in a state of patience, if you complain, they will not admit you into their convoy. The condition for joining that convoy is that you show gratitude in a state of patience. Ehli gafletin çukurlarına düşersin. Karanlıklı bir yolda gideceksin. So the opposite of that is a dangerous place to be. If you don't join their convoy, that is the convoy to be joined. And if you don't join their convoy, you will fall into the pits of the people of misguidance. You will proceed on a path full of darkness. Evet, hastalıkların bir kısmı var ki, eğer ölümle neticelense manevi şehit hükmünde şehadet gibi bir velayet derecesine sebebiyet verir. Yes, there are some sicknesses that if it results in death, it is judged as metaphysical martyrdom. It causes the attainment of a degree of sainthood that is like martyrdom. And this is based on uh, prophetic traditions. The Prophet ﷺ tells us that people who die under certain circumstances are like martyrs. We do not treat them as martyrs in burial. I, you know, martyrs are buried where they are with their clothes uh, without being uh, washed and so on and so forth. We still wash those people. We still give them the funeral treatment that is due upon people who die a regular death. But there is a metaphysical uh, martyrdom that those people attain. And Ustad Nusi describes it as a degree of sainthood that is like martyrdom. And this is again based on prophetic traditions. There are some sicknesses that if it results in death, it is judged as metaphysical martyrdom. It causes the attainment of a degree of sainthood that is like martyrdom. As cümle, çocuk doğurmaktan gelen hastalıklar ve karın sancısıyla gark ve hark ve taun ile vefat eden şehidi manevi olduğu gibi çok mübarek hastalıklar var ki velayet derecesini ölümle kazandırır. For example, and Ustad Nursi here is deducing from traditions that are narrated from the Prophet ﷺ. For example, in the way that those who die from sicknesses resulting from child delivery, abdominal pain, drowning, fire and plague are judged as metaphysical martyrs. So there's no question about this. They, they are judged as metaphysical martyrs based on prophetic traditions, but the rest is an insight that we should take from Ustad Nursi. Likewise, there are many blessed sicknesses that cause the attainment of a degree of sainthood with death. So one might die from another sickness or one might be going through another sickness that's painful and moaning and ah oh, and so on, like that's excruciating. 
right and it is not one of these it is not one of these that are given the glad tidings of uh, attaining the degree of meta metaphysical martyrdom but still in a similar vein there are many blessed sicknesses that cause the attainment of the degree of sainthood with death if you are patient if you are grateful it is still bringing you closer to god what is sainthood it is closeness to god it is still bringing you closer to god hem hastalık dünya aşkını ve alakasını hafifleştirdiğinden vefat ile dünyadan ehli dünya için gayet elim ve acı olan mufarakati tahfif eder bazen de sevdirir now it has a benefit even for the non-believers and that benefit is valid for believers and even for non-believers furthermore since sickness lessens love of the world and attachment to it remember that uh, blessed old woman that we talked about remember that we said the orchards of barla would become sorrowful for her right since sickness lessens love of the world when you are old age or when you are sick when you are in, in in pain the world is not that that lovable any longer since sickness lessens love of the world and attachment to it for the people of the world it alleviates the utmostly painful and bitter separation from this world and sometimes even endears it i.e. sometimes even endears separation from uh, this this world but that part is for for those who realize reality as reality is those who do not believe those who think death is annihilation they will still die in a bitter bitter state and once they recognize what they missed as they pass through that gate, that will be shocking. But for those who know reality as reality is, that there is hereafter and that they have lived believing in their Lord and worshiping Him, then, then sickness, the pains of sickness, the suffering of sickness may even endear death, that is separation from this world. Inshallah, we will stop here, but there's a little side note that was mentioned after uh, where Satnursi says said, in the way that those who die from sicknesses resulting from child delivery, he makes a note here, Hashiye, bu hastalığın manevi şehadeti kazandırması lohusa zamanı olan 40 güne kadardır. The attainment of metaphysical martyrdom by the sickness is up to 40 days. So a there is a debate about this in, in the literature and Ustad Nursi says that in his opinion the attainment of metaphysical martyrdom as a result of child delivery is up to 40 days which is the uh, postpartum period so the, the woman doesn't have to die right there as delivering but up to 40 days inshallah inshallah it is a cause for the attainment of this metaphysical martyrdom which Ustad Nursi defined as a degree of sainthood that is like martyrdom subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma 'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim wa akhir da'wahum anil hamdulillahi rabbil alamin al fatiha